God speaks his word. The scripture reading for today is from Joshua 24, 14 to 15. Choose whom you will serve. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, I have a question for you. I need to see if any of you know who this is. I think there's a picture. Does anybody know who that is? Say it out loud if you heard. Anybody? It is Robert Frost. Good. That's a a young picture of Robert Frost. Um, Who is Robert Frost? He's a poet. That's right. Some of you shook your heads. That's okay. Uh, what is Robert Frost's most famous poem? What, what, what is it? The, it's to do with the road. That's right. That's right. The confusion uh, is because of, of something I have to tell you. And um, uh, for a lot of my life, I misunderstood this poem, and probably most of us in this room have misunderstood it. It's not our faults. Our English teachers told us the wrong thing. We'll just blame them. No offense, English teachers. Um, I I was so angry when I finally read, like, hey, you guys have been missing it all this time. This is what this poem is about. It's called The Road Not Taken, not The Road Less Traveled. Um, But I've thought most of my life that's what it was. And I misunderstood it. And so I'm going to do the scariest thing ever for me, which is try to read poetry. Um... But I want you to listen to it. I think I've got it, we got it up on the screen. Um, we're going to try and see maybe how we've mis- misunderstood it for all these years. Okay. Yeah. So, here we go. I'm going to try. Whew. Two roads diverged in a wood, and sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveler long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that, the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Okay, so there's a few things we need to remember that he just said in this poem as as we kind of talk about what it might mean. He says they were really worn about the same. Okay, they were worn about the same. And that no one had walked either of the paths that day, right? He said there was, you know, the, the leaves hadn't been smashed down or anything. So that it was, they're both fresh roads, equally, equally worn, all right? And he said, you know, they, were, they both looked good and appealing. And he said, someday I hope to come back and travel this other one, right? And he says, you know, maybe I won't ever get to, but, but hopefully. 
Okay, and then what did we say was the title of this poem? The Road Not Taken. Okay, good. So, what, what uh, Frost is actually getting at is decision-making. Uh, th- this, this poem is actually about the way that we as humans justify our decisions. The, the way we make a decision, and uh, you know, we say, of course, I, that, that was the right decision. Right? We have to justify it or else it would be, you know, oh, I absolutely am knowing I'm making the wrong decision. Right? No, you have to pick, and so you've got to come up with a reason as to why you made the decision that you made. Right? We, it's human nature to feel the need to do this. And, and then he kind of even mischaracterizes the other one, right? Oh, yeah, I took the road less traveled, that other one. But he had just told us they were equal, and they were equally traveled. And he couldn't decide which one to pick because he liked them both. But, but then he's going to go on and say, you know, I did pick this one, and it's the best decision I ever made. It made all the difference. Uh, so he's not talking about just picking the road that's less traveled, and that's the one. That's what I thought my whole life, right? Oh, yeah, just the, the importance is to go the other way. But we now know, even uh, historians tell us, that Robert Frost had a really good friend who he, he would always pick on for being indecisive. And they say he even wrote this poem for his friend who could never pick what to do. And so he's like, almost wrote this as a joke. It's his most fam- famous poem, and he hated that it was his most famous poem, by the way. Um, but it was kind of a rib as this guy to go, look, it'll be fine. Just pick one and then just say it was the right decision no matter what you do. Just go with it. But those, those of us who like to be different and who like to go against the grain and, and have turned this, this poem kind of into a false justification, uh, you know, as, a, as, as the motto, right? Take the, the road less traveled, which is, in fact, the point that Robert Tr- Frost was going to make, which is we're, we're doing the thing, we're justifying why we think it, it is, and that's not the reason at all. So... I've spent way too much time on this, by the way, just in case you're wondering. But I, I felt like, you know, you, it, sometimes I'm like, people need to know this, right? I have this moral obligation to make sure that you understand uh, what, what this, this famous poem is about. So, I say all this to tell you that this morning, James is giving us two roads. And he wants us to take the road less traveled. Do you see what I did there? I just missed yeah, you got it. Uh, we're we're going to take the misunderstanding of, of Ross' poem, and we're going to uh, talk about two roads and, and that James wants us to take the road less traveled this morning. Uh, so let's pray together. Uh, as we think about diverging paths and, and how do we decide, Father, would you help us this morning as we read your word, not to misunderstand it. Would you help us To, to stay and to live and to understand your truth. Give us eyes and uh, eyes to see, ears to hear this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to read uh, James chapter 3. We're in verses 13 through 18. With this question in mind, are we going to choose the earthly Wisdom, the path of earthly wisdom, or the path of heavenly wisdom. Who is wise and understanding among you? 
By his, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and insincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So, so last week was a little bit of a blur for me. I don't know if I had jet lag or what. Um, but I think it would be good for all of us to review uh, what we learned last week in the, in the first half of James chapter 3. Remember that James said that no man can tame the tongue. No one can tame the tongue. And, and, and we saw the powers of the tongue. We saw the damage that it can do, right? All the problems that it can cause. But we, we said that James was making an obvious point, which is the tongue is not independent. Uh, it, it speaks the heart. That's the job of the tongue. It speaks the heart. So really, we never have a tongue problem, right? We never have a problem of controlling our tongues. We have a heart problem. And the solution is not a human one. Yes, there are some, you know, practical things we can do, like, you know, being slow to speak and, and waiting a minute to think through before just blurting. I mean, there are some practical things, but the solution is a God solution, right? It's being filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, choosing a life that pursues righteousness through our connection with the Spirit. He is the one who, in fact, produces the fruit, right, the fruit of the Spirit um, that we need, that James is saying that we should have in our lives. So this morning, James is going to continue uh, on, on the same path, and, and he's going he's to start with a question. And, and it, it's, a, it's a question that that I feel like he's been asking for a while, you're going to be like, hasn't he already said, asked this question? Right? And that question is, who is wise among you? Right? Who is wise among you? And, and, and so the, the last several weeks, right, James has, has given us different things that, that he would say are signs of, of wisdom. And going back into chapter 2, right, like not showing partiality, like, uh, like Jordan preached about, like having works attached to our faith, right? L- looking like we say, like watching our mouths, as we saw last week. And, and so James says, who is wise among you? Let him show it by his works in the meekness of wisdom. That's an odd way to describe uh, showing you. How do you show wisdom? By his works in meekness of wisdom. Most would say, as he talks about meekness, that what we're, what we're dealing with is, is humility. Um, not, not meekness, cowardice, right? But, but meekness as in, I don't have to boast to anyone or prove anything to anyone because I know where I stand. I know the truth, and I live it. That, that's the kind of meekness we're talking about, humility. And, and so then he's going to go into... Um, a list of things that he's going to say, look, let me tell you what wisdom is not, 
right? And we've, we're talking about this kind of diverging path. This is, this is the first path, right? Robert Frost can, can tell us about looking down this road, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at this one. So he starts with three things. Uh, ESV translated as bitter jealousy. Bitter jealousy, right? This is the bad kind of, of jealousy, right? There's a good jealousy, uh, like God is jealous in a good way. This is bitter jealousy, like envy. The second thing he says is selfish ambition. And then he says, and then in boasting about it, kind of as this third thing, right? Boasting in this unrighteous living. And he says those things are earthly, unspiritual. He's even going to go so far as to say these things are demonic. Why would he say that? When we hear that word demonic, right, we kind of go, whoa, that, that gets my attention, right? Why would he say that? So what do we understand as, as the root fall of the demons, right? When we, when we talk about that story, what, what was the root of their fall? Right? They wanted power and glory instead of giving it to God, right? They wanted to be equals. And this is the same idea that, that the serpent's going to plant into Adam and Eve, right? He knows you'll be just like him if you do this, right? Don't you want to be just like him? That's what we're talking about. That's what James says. This is where, this is earthly wisdom, and that is to be as great as you can, to serve yourself as much as you can. This is it. When I, when I look at the, the influential um, parts of our culture, right? So I think about politics, any side you want to cho- you choose, entertainment, just pick somebody, right? The economy, all of these are based on bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, and boasting in our lifestyles, right? All of them have to do with, with that. that. That's where they all go back to. Pride in everything that we are, pride in everything that we do. That, that's the influential thing, stuff we're seeing in our culture today. We, we can mask them and, and, and describe them in different ways, but, but when you boil them down, they're jealousy, selfishness, and arrogance. That, that's really the root of everything that we see going on in our society today. And James goes on and, and he says, look, a, a world that's lived like this is, is one of disorder, right? It's one of chaos. That's, that's the, 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 what's produced when people just live this way. Out of jealousy, selfishness, and arrogance, we get chaos. We get disorder. And he says, and it turns into every vile practice. We're, you should come to Sunday school because we talked about some of the vile practices. You, I, I, they learned about a new one um, this morning. The, all of that comes from, from th- th- this root, this root of, of earthly wisdom is, is what causes the sin that we see that's, that's running rampant today. And, and I've struggled as I've, as I've thought through this sermon a little bit, not to try to gripe too much about our culture, right? Um, I don't want to sound like the guy in the rocking chair back in the good old days. But look at every vile practice that we see today. And the roots have all come from, from, from telling people, just em- embrace your own truth, right? Embrace who you are, right? Take pride in who you are. Just be you. 
Don't, don't improve. Don't get better at anything. Just be you and be proud of it. Right? Follow your heart. The Bible says the, Bible, the heart is corrupt. Follow your heart. Right? As Mountain Dew would say, you do you. You do whatever it is that you want to do. Right? Have it your way. You're worth it. You deserve it. Live your best life. That is the message that all we hear. We hear all day long. Live your best life. You deserve it. You're worth it. You need more. And if you just had it, it would be better. Right? You'd just be a little bit happier if you just had some more stuff. And, and I've, I've seen this creep into, into our Christian culture, our Christian community, right? We've, we've taken modern psychology concepts, I, I would say, and, and we've snuck them into Christianese. So, so I, I've had people that I know in church be the most selfish people I can ever imagine. And they say things like, oh, I just need to practice some self-care right now. I need to take care of me, right? I need some self-care. I can't, I can't help anybody else. I need self-care. So let me just distinguish in case you're wondering, right? There's, there is a healthy thing such as soul care, right? And, and making sure that we are, are, are living according to Scripture, right? And when we do that, we take care of ourselves the way that we ought to, right? In a godly way. That's not what I'm talking about when I talk about self-care in the, in the way that it's described today, Okay? I've had, you know, people tell me, hey, I really can't help you serve at, at the food kitchen this Saturday because I just, I need some self-care. I need some me time, right? And what that's going to include is hours and hours of binge-watching Netflix or 12 straight hours of video games, and that's self-care because I just got to help myself. Society says anything you want it to be can be self-care, Right? Getting out, go crazy on a Friday night, that's self-care. That helps. I said I wasn't going to gripe too much. Sorry. <laughs> I, I hear people say, oh, you know, the, 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 the psychology ideas of boundaries, right? I, I don't talk to people that, that, that can stress me out, right? I, I've got to have my own Christian boundaries. I, I don't know where that fits with Jesus talking about loving our neighbors, right? Carrying others bur- other people's burdens, Right? All of that can, can be selfish, and we've turned that in, you know, in, into justification in some you know, Christianese way. But I think we have to be careful in all of that. When we look, we look and say, what is earthly wisdom? It's about taking care of self, preserving self at all costs, and, and defending who we are no matter what. Nobody can correct me. I'm fine the way that I am, and I'm going to boast about it. And I'm going to pursue whatever I feel like pursuing, and that's okay. Okay, so now, right, we're going to look down this other road. We're standing here, diverging roads. We're going to look down this, this other way. James says this is, this is heavenly wisdom. And, and remember, in, in the last couple of weeks, we've, we've already said that, that when, when the word wisdom comes up in Scripture, right, it, it doesn't have anything to do with cleverness. It's not some kind of Confucius, uh, uh, fortune cookie-styled, you know, little pithy statements, right? That's not what what wisdom is in Scripture. Wisdom in Scripture is the epitome of living a biblical life, right? It's the whole package of being who you're supposed to be and living it out. That's wisdom. So this is what he says. It says, wisdom from above is first pure. It's interesting that he says that it's first pure. Then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, 
impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So you remember in Forrest Gump uh, when he would always say, stupid is as stupid does, right? Stupid is as stupid does. I, I think James is saying wisdom is as wisdom does. Wisdom is as wisdom does. Meaning, right, wisdom is showing it in how you live. Wisdom is shown in the way that we live. Wisdom isn't wisdom until it's shown to other people. Theoretical wisdom isn't wisdom. Wisdom in a library isn't wisdom. Think, think, about, think about good drivers, okay? If I said you had to pick somebody to drive you across the country, would you pick a person who, who has a good record of driving over the last 20 years? Or would you pick a person who has been studying a whole lot about driving? They know all the rules there are to know. Uh, they've memorized the speed limits from here to California, right? But they've never actually been behind the wheel. Who are you going to pick? Right? This one knows everything. This one's been studying it. They're an expert. No, you would pick, take the person who has shown that they know how to drive. Wisdom is meant for living. There, there were these guys that lived a, a long time ago uh, that, I, that I really like and and. and We've given them the ne- nickname, the Desert Fathers. The Desert Fathers. They, they, were, they were a group of Christians who lived in like the two, three, four, five hundreds-ish uh, A.D., so after Jesus. And, and, and they loved Jesus. They were Christians, and they became, we would call them fanatics, in, for lack of a better word, in, in many ways. They became fanatics of Jesus. Um, and they were all about discipline, and they were all about knowledge, and and. And they said, look, we, we want to focus on Jesus so much that we've got to get away. And they moved into the desert. That's why they called the Desert Fathers. And they would build themselves little stick huts and say, look, we, we don't want any of the pleasures of this world. We just want to sit and focus on Jesus. We're going to pray for 20 hours and then we'll, um, you know, whatever. That was all that they did, right? They, they just went away from society and they prayed. And there's some really cool books about them. They said some amazing things. They did some amazing things. But there's one problem that I've always had with the Desert Fathers, and and if you're paying attention to the sermon, right, you can already guess where I'm headed with this. They took themselves out of the game, right? They weren't living wisdom, because wisdom, all the ways that James just described it are relational. Why do you need to be peaceable, right? Why do you need to be humble? All those things are relational things that he just said, right? Gentle open to reason, full of mercy. Mercy to who? If you're living in the desert by yourself, who is there to be merciful to? How easy would it be to work on patience if you didn't have a spouse or children or parents to deal with, right? That's, I'm doing pretty well with patience if I don't have to worry about those things. Right? If I don't have a job, if I just eat locusts in the desert, I don't have to worry about patience too much. The the descriptions that we see, James says, look, this is how they're lived out. This is what it looks like with other people. Pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, sincere. Wisdom was made for relationships. I want you guys to think about the wisest person you know. The wisest person you can. Picture that person. 
Okay, I get to pick on her for two weeks in a row, and since she's not here, it's okay, right? I got to spend some time with, with Connie McGee this past week, right? And, and, and she is probably the kind of person, maybe not exactly, but the kind of person that most of us think when we think of a wise person. They're the kind of person that just oozes wisdom, right? You just want to be around them to see how they are in life. They, they can't help it, right? They just can't help themselves. That's just who they are. And it's not out of boasting. It's not out of arrogance. But it's because these kinds of people that you're probably picturing, it's because they know the Father. It's because they know the Father and they spend time with Him. It's because they live out their faith. Because they're people of love and grace and mercy. Right? That's the kind of people we think of that are wise. Right? And, I, and I've been blessed to know several people like this in my life that I just, wow, can I just spend more time with you? I just want to be around you and absorb who you are. But th- those people, if I asked them, hey, look, would you write a book on wisdom? They would just laugh. They'd be like, are you kidding me? I'm not going to have to write a book about any wisdom that I have. Just, they would say the same thing James has been saying. <laughs> just read the scriptures and live it. That's all I know. That's what I do. I don't need a book. That's what James is saying here. Pursue Jesus. Pursue purity. Live out hospitality and mercy. Use your words to speak life to others instead of serving yourself all the dang time. James is such a simple guy. Some people love James. Some people, he drives people crazy too. He didn't write any profound theology. But he was wise. And he, he, he's simply saying again and again through these sermons, right? Listen to Jesus and then do it. Know his word and then do it. Know Jesus and live like he did. That's wisdom, right? Apparently in, in the early church there were these people who claimed to have some sort of special wisdom. And James is like, just look at their lives. They don't have it. You should be able to tell who's wise just by watching their lives a little bit. And so this comes to us as well, right? What do you and I spend our days pursuing? What do we do with our time? What do I spend my day pursuing? And too, too often it's in the categories of worldly wisdom, right? Things that fall into these categories of, of envy, right? Getting more stuff, doing better, because that's what I'm supposed to do. The world tells me that. Jealousy. It's not fair that they have that and I don't have it. Selfish ambition. I just need to take care of me more. Really, that's what this life is about, is just taking care of me more. Uh, Too often I get in these categories, right? And it's really easy to live this way because our world just says, yep, that's the right, good choice. Keep going. You're doing it. You're so close. You're pursuing happiness. You're going to get there, right? A world that says, hey, God is holding out on you if you just had this, this, if you just pursued it this way, you'd, you'd be happier. Thinking that I need more than what he has already offered me, that I don't have enough, right? If I just lived for my own fulfillment, self-fulfillment is this goal that we should all be pursuing all the time. Robert, Robert Frost is, is rolling in his grave as we speak, as I say this, right? 
There are two roads diverging in the woods. The road that we're, we're, we're told a million times a day to follow is the wisdom of this earth. Get the best you can out of everything for yourself. And then there's this road less traveled, right? This road less traveled that's, that's heavenly wisdom. It's about sitting at the feet of Jesus and being like him. James tells us to follow heavenly wisdom, the road less traveled. There is a shortage of wisdom in our world today, but it's not because there's a lack of intelligence or information or knowledge. Right? All of that is everywhere. It's in your pocket in this very moment. There's a shortage of wisdom in this world because there's a lack of disciples, a lack of people willing to follow a leader, willing to follow Jesus, being led by the Holy Spirit willing to put themselves last and serve the Father. That's true fulfillment. Serving the Father, not serving self. James says we have a choice. We've got we to pick. Which road will we choose? Let's pray. Father, we need your help. When we trust our gut, when we trust our instincts, when we follow our heart, we serve ourselves. We go after our own selfish ambition, our own desires. We want ourselves to be great. We want everybody to like who we are. We justify every pursuit. God, would you open our eyes to it? Would you help us to see that this, this world has nothing to offer us? The wisdom of this world is foolish. God, would you help us to pursue your wisdom? It starts with humility. It starts with us not being in charge, that it not being up to us, us not being the most important thing. Father, we need your help every day. Pursue your wisdom, and not the wisdom of this world. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.